We are coming to you with the unspoken words. This is the Red Road Perspective. With humility, experience, reflection, and that unique style of indigenous humor, we discuss the issues that affect our mind, body, spirit, and emotional well-being as natives in recovery. Wobriety. Community, accountability, transparency, and service work. Uh, hope. Hey, hey. Yeah. Hey. Unspoken words, episode twenty-eight. What up, yo? I got here to my right. He's sanctimonious and he's bad. All the way from Arrow Creek, he's your favorite Indian, JCB. And over here to my left, he's the two-time co-champion all the way from LG Pod Gotti, Randy B. What's up, y'all? Hi. What up, what up, what up, what up? Hi, E. Hi, E. Man. Hey, you. Hey, you over there. Hey, you and hey, you. Hey, you. <laughs> I got a quick I got a quick icebreaker and then we're gonna talk about the phenomenon the the I don't know what is it the 27 the curse the curse but um okay here we go quick icebreaker okay um we'll start with let me see yeah JC then we'll go to Randy this is um I'm gonna say a word whatever pops into your whatever pops into your brain sure when you I say that? this word okay yep. okay Freestyle. Pandemic. Sick. What you, Randy? <laughs> <laughs> Coronavirus. 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 That's just Coronavirus. Like the whole thing just makes me sick. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, man, we just like got lost in time. Everything was in pause. I think pause. Do you remember? Okay, so things are starting to get back to normal. Do you remember when it first like hit like last April and say Mayish? Yeah, yeah, and I remember I that was before I had my car, but I I walked downtown to get on the bus, and man, it was dead, like just dead, nothing. It was weird, man. I almost turned around and went back. Was it like I am a legend? I, I yeah, something like I don't know. Did you ever see that old Arby's commercial back in the day, and that guy's running up and down the street, and there's nobody uh. around? He's like, "Where is everybody?" <laughs> and then there's one dude standing out there, and he goes, "Arby's roast beef sale." <laughs> <laughs> man, that must be like from the seventies or something. Oh, I don't remember. That. It's out there. Google it. Anyway, uh, but, yeah, <laughs> that's nuts. That is nuts. All right, uh, Randy, you got the next word. Start off with you. Kidneys. Kidneys on a stick. Kidneys. How you like your kidneys? Raw, raw, raw. 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 <laughs> For I knew, I knew that was I, knew that was <laughs> I didn't even think of that when I wrote this. But that's good. That's good. That was organic. Yeah. Organic kidneys. Go ahead, JC. Oh, kidneys? Yeah. Uh, s- stones, I guess. You know what? I At first I thought of stones, but then I thought of my homegirl, Britt, because she just got her kidney removed. Oh, yeah. Oh. Shout out, Britt. How's she doing? She, she's doing all right. She, I took she her back at to- work? No, huh? She don't go back until the beginning of June, I think. But, oh, wow. Uh, Praying for you, Britt. She's been out for like two months, but yeah, she's a, she's one kidney lighter. Oh, wow. Wow. Shout out to Britt and your recovery. Shout your out recovery. to Britt. Continued prayers. We are praying. I'm praying for you, she's, Britt. She's a, she's a faithful listener to us. Yes, I know. I always see her thing on Facebook. She's always like, man, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate the support and love. And appreciate we want to love. return that. I, I told her you should have. So She's after, a real one. Asked her if you could keep it. Right. Oh, we could have had like a reaction episode to it. 
Okay, like got, in a jar? I told, like, her, ah! I told her I got a peanut butter jar. It's one of them commodity <laughs> ones too. But I mean, like it's like her, so why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they let you keep it? But yes, yeah, yeah. Apparently, they didn't, or she didn't ask. Hmm. Anyway, well, if I ever get my kidney out, I'm gonna keep it. And we're keep gonna have it. a reaction episode. Keep out. it and cook it. <laughs> raw, raw. No, you can't cook it. It's got to be raw, raw, raw. It'll be all overburnt. Huh? <laughs> Already be cooked. Overworked. <laughs> Overworked. Won't even be red. It'll be all purple. <laughs> Is it supposed to be this chewy? Be overworked like and overworked like and no retirement. <laughs> all purple. Hola. Hola. Yeah. yeah. See that kidney and say, Hola. Hola. <laughs> okay. JC, you got this next word. Diarrhea. Oh, man, that Ooh. makes fun. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I told you you didn't want it. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> so, see, that makes my butt hurt. <laughs> what? It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a thought. It was a physical sensation. <laughs> what? You know what they call the Mexican heartburn? Oh, man. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I, I, I don't know. I, I cannot compute, man. It's been a long day. <laughs> I don't even know I put that on there. Okay, Randy. Oh. Diarrhea is not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun. I know. Randy snabbies me when I said it. <laughs> I don't know anybody that actually enjoys it. Oh, I hope I get the runs today. <laughs> the runs. <laughs> no, thought. people that drink like probiotics and stuff, that's their goal is to, to have Fl- the runs. Yeah. Well, I mean, to like kind of flush themselves. Yeah, to kind of flush themselves. You know, like healthy folks, like yeah. really healthy folks. Yeah. that Like all those stuff. Get that like colon cleanse. Yeah. That's exactly like what they're doing is like they're basically flushing out your system. That's why huh. they give you the runs. Well, you need Crazy. you need bacteria in your gut. But you don't you don't you don't want to get rid of the good stuff. You want to get rid of the bad stuff. Yeah. And I think you know, like, but that's, that's what I'm saying. It improves it improves gut health. Is to, to oh, okay. Oh, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like the, the terminology for yeah, it. like nutty professor, and they're talking about getting their colon cleans. Yeah, I don't go in there and get my colon cleans. I think that's a different thing. I know, but <laughs> no, but you get that. Because <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, those are like I guess I mean it is healthy to go use the bathroom regularly, but I guess people do cleanse themselves too by getting the runs. Huh? Interesting. Self-inflicted, huh? Yeah. So kind of getting yes. rid of that. Whenever part of that is like excess, trying to get rid of the water yeah, weight, probably the excess food. And then I also know, like before you start taking supplements, they usually put you on like a a diuretic type deal. You know that like a cleanse, diet. like a ten day cleanse, uh-huh. fourteen yeah. day cleanse, and then all the like Herbalife, all those like they kind of. But speaking of which, that's what your liver and your kidneys are for. Yes, filters gut health. Yeah. But okay. then, like we eat so much processed stuff and. Uh, MSG and like preservatives. What's that? What the one? GMO? Something. I don't even know what those do. Yeah, I don't know. But that's like in everything we eat. I think uh, gluten's fake. Yeah, that's not, a, that's, that's not a thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe for some people, but for not for like most people, that's, yeah. it's, not, it's not an issue. Yeah, when I hear like those food diseases, even like lactose intolerance, I always think of that old um, Chris Rock stand up. He's like, America got too much food. He's like, do you think somebody 
and Zimbabwe would have lactose intolerance. <laughs> <laughs> I got, uh, yeah, some people. Will, are you, are you not lactose intolerant? Uh, yeah, yeah. Most natives are though. I know most natives are. What does that mean anyway? You can't. You know, you just get the bubble guts when you drink milk. Yeah, you or, get the BGs. You have any dairy? Like, oh, and that's why people don't drink it. Yeah, because they get the BGs. Yeah. So like. If I go get a coffee, Wait. I'll either get skim or I'll like get soy or almond, almond milk. milk yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I never knew that. Like, you just walking around with the BGs. Like, what did they do when they before we had all this stuff? Like, what, what did the they drink what did society milk. do? Be like, oh, I'm allergic to milk. They well, technically, they probably weren't because back then. I don't they think we drank milk. They, no, no, natives didn't. That's why we're not used no, to I'm it. I'm not talking them. I'm talking like previous before the whole freaking, like the whole medical thing started coming through. You well, know? Okay, oh, so, okay, so here's the thing is that we're we're exposed to so many different chemicals in the in the process. It's processed. We've gotten so, softer as a society. And so it, it changes our, our, um, our, our, what is it, microbiome or whatever they call that. Yeah. Uh, so... But it, it'll it'll change us. That's why you know you see more and more food allergies and whatnot. Yeah. And then a lot of that has to do with also is that when you know when we're babies, we start building up Im- this immunity to all these different um, bad things that could get into our body. Right. Well, yeah. Part of that we get it from our mother's milk, and part of it we get you know like we're always sticking stuff in our mouths when we're yeah. babies. You know, it, but basically it slowly builds up your your immune system and. Those two things put together, I think, are a big factor. Is from what I understand. I like I, I'm no expert on it, but that's what I understand. Yeah, in your own research. In my own, my research suggests limited, my own limited information. Okay, last word. Moving on, <laughs> Randy, you got this one. Police. Hide from the popo. <laughs> no, run, run. Now it's kind of funny because I told you that I was just coming from this side of town. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I seen the police, and yeah, I don't really think nothing nowadays. They got their part in society. Yeah, um, yeah. There's good cops. There's bad cops. So, okay. My first thought was silence. Don't say anything. Say anything at all. Because you know, makes sense. Snitches get stitches. Well, think of it this I'm way: just <laughs> fish with the closed mouth never gets caught. Yeah, mm, mm, mm. and to hear those COs in prison. That's why a lot of these people go down now is because of all the talking. But you hear those COs. Okay, as soon as yeah, as soon as you start talking, like from the moment you encounter them, they can use anything that you say against you. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is say, "I'm not ask- answering any questions," with, and never consent to a search either. If they had probable cause, they wouldn't ask you. Oh yeah. Can I search your vehicle? Nope. A lot of them are just twisting the law because they know you. Understand, like, yeah, they twist that law, like, mm-hmm. to benefit them, yeah. And then, too, some of them don't really know it because, like, when I got my felony, like, they said they could see my gun in plain view, but I also remember throwing my gun, mm. yeah. but anyway, mm-hmm. let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then when we went to court, it was their word against mine. Oh, yeah, the only reason why I'm saying is because. I'm gritting my teeth and I'm holding back and I'm not going to say anything. So let's move. On. Uh, okay. All right. How does, how does that make you feel? How does that? I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm talking with my. 
I shouldn't have even divulged that information on there. <laughs> well, is it's already been but, but yeah, it's already, so, I've already yeah. I've already done my time. I've already done my. Yeah. I didn't even really do time. I just done my. I finished my sentence. You did what you was required. Yeah, I did everything required, and but yeah, that's that was the thing. They were like, yeah, we we could see it in plain view, but it was like, dog, like I remember throwing that sucker, mm. and then stashing it in the vehicle and. Yeah, they said they could see it in plain sight, but they broke, you know. Yes, let's go. <clears throat> okay. Right on. Well, that was a good warm-up. I like the energy, the it's flow. All, it was all right. It was average. It was I. Yeah. It was I. It was coming together right there at the end. <laughs> can we can we edit out that diarrhea part? Cause no. <laughs> diarrhea, diarrhea. What's that? Remember that one thing? When you're sliding into first, didn't you? Feel something burst. Diarrhea. <laughs> Diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What did that come from? I remember we used to always sing it as kids and laugh our heads off. Again? You're sliding in the first and you feel something burst. Diarrhea. Diarrhea. <laughs> Was it on a movie or something? I don't know. I, don't know. I just remember, I hear, like you said, I remember Was hearing it on, it on Problem Child or something? Oh, oh yeah. It was, was it problem? It, it was before that. I mean, I heard it before that. Maybe oh. it was. I don't know. I'm kind of, I just get that picture of that. Kid in that station wagon and oh, the baseball. Yeah. Remember, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it on Parenthood too? Was it Parenthood? I don't know. I I just remember seeing it on the playground and like yeah, just laugh and giggle yeah. and getting in trouble in class for singing it. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so we are in episode twenty eight. Twenty eight, yo. Twenty eight, yo, and we just we had a mishap. Yeah. It was a combination of me trying to. Transfer the pod the episode from the roadcaster to the laptop as soon as I could so we could leave. And then there was me screwing around. <laughs> per yeah. usual. This guy with his grab ass. Playing grab <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just a combination of that and the episode is there. It's on the SD card. I can see it, but it won't play and it won't transfer over. So, um, transfer loss storage. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to. We haven't had time to like kind of retrieve it, but that's gonna happen tonight. So, episode 28 is coming out before episode 27, and that's why I've been kind of in the dark because just all of our schedules is so busy. Like, Thursday nights is the only time we can actually like sit down and kind of focus on the podcast. Other than that, I know we got our lives, we got. We got our lives, we got our wives, we got our kids, we got our dogs, we got our hobbies, we got our jobs. So um, that that's just a brief explanation on that. Is there anything else you guys want to say? Speak to that. Well, that's kind of weird about that 27. I mean, why is that? Oh, yeah. One? yeah, I know. Remember the, the curse like, of the 27s? Yep. And I, I, that's what I thought of right away because, like, when I got home and I tried to upload it again and tried to retrieve the episode, oh, it wasn't working out, it wasn't happening. Like, it was weird because I was like, it was like a weird, it was such a weird coinkadink, for lack of a better term, that, like, I didn't, I didn't feel any way about it. I just laughed. I mean, it was like, I would, there was no anger, there was no frustration, there was no letdown, there was no disappointment, there was no joy, there was no happiness about it. It was just like, indifferent. I was bummed, bro. I was kind of. Yeah. Uh, you guys were bummed. Like I, I just, I wasn't bummed. I didn't have, you know. I was just like, man, that's tough because we recorded a good episode. 
It was really good. I felt like the chemistry was on point. I felt, you know, like it was a good episode. Yeah. We were like. And I think a lot of it. Peas and carrots. Just happened to, you know, like seeing my, my part in it and like thinking, oh, man, I should have never. Yeah. But but at the same time, too, like I told you, there's times like at the end where I would let it run for at least one or two seconds and then. Yeah. And like my thing was I was here, I was ready to hit transfer and I seen you hit a button. I wasn't even looking at you. I just seen your hand go down and hit a button. So I thought you stopped recording and then I went boom. And then you said that little piece at the end because I this is what happened. I said. We love all our supporters, everybody out there on Flat Earth. And then he played the outro. Yeah. And then tried to get the last word. He tried to get the last word saying there's no Flat Earth. And that's why this happened, because there is a Flat Earth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was uh, like the, the thing. One of the things that came to mind was like save early and save often. You know, like yeah. with, especially with like digital digital files, you got to be able to. But I like how what you we couldn't do that right there. What he said earlier was like it's just in these bits and pieces, and we just got somebody can go or he's going to go in there and then get it and then put itself back together. Like I the way the when he said that the way I figured it was like it's since it's on there, it to me it's like we finished a puzzle but we accidentally dropped it. Yeah, and now we just got to put it back together. Yeah, because the way the guy explained it on uh, his little tutorial was that it's on there. Um. And what his program does is like it goes and it finds all the pieces to it and puts it back together, like a puzzle. So, but again, you know, tw- Remo epi- recover tw- twenty yeah. episode twenty seven, like the curse of the twenty seven, like uh, yeah. Jim Morrison and Club twenty seven Club, the twenty seven yeah. Club. Yeah, I like, actually never heard of that. But like I told you, even Britney Spears made it past twenty seven. I mean, why now? Bad at twenty seven too, right? Yep. Yeah, she was the last one, I think. Yeah, even from like the Delta Blues, there's an artist that I can't remember. He what about Richie there. Valens? Oh, he, he was, was 17. 17. Oh. He still had 10 years to go. Well. Buddy Holly. <laughs> that sounds ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Um, Did Janis Joplin? Nirvana. Kurt, Kurt Cobain. Cobain. Yeah, he was 27. Oh, yeah. A lot of those guys are like died in their nation. Exactly. I can think of three of right off that. Just those last three that we mentioned. Yeah. Um. A- Amy Winehouse. Yep. She even made a song about not well, wanting to go to rehab. She said, "I got that on my playlist." Yeah. I got that. They it's, tried to send me to rehab, and I said, "No, no, no." It's, it's funny. I I got a I got a lot of music from artists who were or are in were in addiction. Oh yeah, just like because I have like this affinity for them. Yeah, it's like you listen to uh, one of my favorites is um, uh, "Don't Close Your Eyes." Keith Whitley. Yeah, exactly. I, I love singing one of his songs. Don't close your eyes. Yeah. Don't oh. close your eyes. When you say nothing at all. Oh yeah. I'm no stranger to the rain. Tell Lori I love her. <laughs> Tell Lori I need her. Yep, just like that. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I can picture Keith Whitley. I just never wasn't. I couldn't remember one of the songs. Oh yeah. But I now mean, the first one when you you mentioned that kind of, I'm like, oh okay, that's him. Old Lady. Mr. Webster could never define what's, what's going to between. 
your heart in mine. That's my favorite line. That that's song. Always, like I remember like Hank Williams and stuff because that's what my grandma played. But oh, all yeah, that yeah. other stuff, like did I, the same thing. Like in the back of a car. The the thing is like I remember like being at my grandma's house and then yeah, just like boring country playing in the background. Yeah. And it's always like boring out in the country. <laughs> kind of set that mood. You sit there, yeah, and, and you're like smoke cigarettes and play solid there. Yeah, yeah, my that's what my grandma did. She would always, <laughs> you know, she would smoke her misties and. <laughs> Play solitaire. Solitaire, yeah. But I'd be like, I do not want to listen to this music right now. (laughs) (laughs) But the ones I did enjoy were like Hank Williams and and, uh, Patsy Cline and oh yeah, yeah, a lot of um, Conway Twitty and yeah, you know I I love those ones. Yeah, but the other ones I'm like I don't know. Yeah, like uh, probably mid to late nineties is where my country artists listening stopped. Exactly. Maybe, Maybe early 2000s, some Brad Paisley and kind of. Yeah. Some of it nowadays, like very few and far between. Like um, I don't even listen to any of today's music. Yeah. So, but I'd, like I like I said before, all that old school stuff, just like you said, be hanging around my parents. Yeah. And then that's what they always played. And as a little kid, it's not like you can say, oh, let's change this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we had to listen to it. But they're I, good songs. They're good yeah, songs. I grew up on the old yeah, A lot of them were good. And I was just thinking about that too. Like I grew up listening to K Bear. You know, the OD station was the, it was called the OD station, but it was only like twenty twenty five years old at the time we were, we were listening to it. Yeah. And then like our music now is like thirty years old. <laughs> so like it's like oldies, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I remember that listening to that Miss Pettix class. She right. always used to listen. Uh, what was that guy's name? His name was Michael. Rydell? Yeah, yeah, Michael Rydell. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she always used to, yeah, he loved that K-Bear. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Grease guy? What? No, it's one of the guys that, in our, uh, at the class. Oh. Yeah, Miss Pettis. Oh, it's Rydell High. That's what it was. <laughs> That's where they went to school on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Well, yeah. So take what you want out of that whole 27 deal, because... <laughs> And I think at this point, I mean, I don't know. If we're able to retrieve it, we'll post it. Um, If not, I think it's just in the 27 Club, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. But we can always cover the topic again. We can always move forward. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to keep going. Keep on trucking. Right on. So let's get into our topic. Um, so DJ, why don't you hit me with that beat? Ayo, let's get into our topic. Ayo, let's get into our topic. Hello, 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 hello. This is Mo Hugs, not drugs, and we are in our topic for episode twenty-eight. And today we're going to talk about an article that I came across in Psychology Today. It was um, published earlier this year. And uh, the name of the topic, I mean, the name of the article is is Addiction a Disease. And there's some interesting um, perspectives in this article that I wanted us to discuss. Um, Some of it I agree with, some of it I don't agree with, and some of it I'm just kind of like, eh. And I want to get everybody our collective perspective on it so i'll just fire off with the first one inside the article is is addiction a disease 
Addiction is a condition that has long baffled physicians and philosophers to say nothing of those struggling with it and those around them. What to make of a set of behaviors that in fact induce change in brain structure and function, provide short-term relief or distress only to create long-term problems of living and self-management. And it's difficult to stop even when there is a strong desire to do so. Uh, Once seen as a moral failure, addiction has more recently been viewed strictly as a medical problem. The push to regard addiction as a disease is well intentioned, driven by a desire to to less stigma, but fails to account for the many factors and facts of the condition. Worse, it robs the sufferers of a sense that they can overcome the problem with courage and creativity and some hard work. Rather, there is a significant evidence that addiction is a complex cultural, social, psychological, as much as it is a biological phenomenon. Um, while addiction is very closely, <clears throat> very closely to individuals, family, society at large, it reflects the brain's remarkable plasticity, its ability to shape and reshape itself, adapt itself in response to experience and environment, as well as the deep human need for joy and rewards in life and opportunities for accessing them. The fact that the brain changes, the fact is that the brain changes that are in the hallmark of addiction are set in motion by the behaviors of substance seeking, <clears throat> coalescing into near automatic habit. The evidence indicates that they can be reversed by changes in behavior and environment. Okay, so man, where do we begin to unpack that? Um, so I guess is addiction a disease and, and it, and the other thing too, like if, if we say yes, it is a disease, then I've also heard chronic disease. In other words, it's always going to be with you. Yeah. And uh, um, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I. Then, and then again, I'm gonna. This is my disclaimer. I'm not an expert on anything. This is just my own opinion, my own thoughts, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I don't think so. I don't think if it is a disease, I don't think it's a chronic disease. I think it's. Because it, it mentions, you know, neuroplast or plasticity and, you know, neuroplasticity. Yeah. And remember when we were, I don't know if it, I hope it wasn't the last episode, but <laughs> but I was talking about um, how I was working on my my my, my core beliefs. And you, you put it like, oh, you just basically brainwashed yourself. Yeah. And, and so, they, yeah, essentially that's what it was. But more than that, I it was like, I, I remember reading about neuroplasticity. In other words, that your brain... It's like an amazing thing that can, for or you know, change itself. Yep. Because you know, it's the first, the first two things that are in our ingrained in us is survival, and then to reproduce, so our genes will live on. Yeah. So it'll, it, so it has the ability to adapt, to change, to basically reform itself um, around the conditions that it's experiencing. I guess to yeah. put it in the. In a, in a in another way, so I I think. With that being said, then no, because like right now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. Oh, I, I don't, I'm not afraid of you know going back out because that's a real thing. Oh yeah, but as it is, you know, there are so many other things that are you know just in that like because I changed my core beliefs. There are so many things in there that I've changed. That it's not even a thought. Like when I think of, I've said this a hundred times before. Like when I think of drinking or you know smell hand sanitizer or whatever, 
Mm-hmm. It makes me sick. It makes me physically ill because I remember the hangovers and just being, you know, yeah. just shaky yeah. and sick. <clears throat> and, uh, when you smell tr- street chief. Smell street chief from across <laughs> the street. And I was like, oh, man, I want to throw up for you, bro. <laughs> I want to get sick for you. I want to get sick for I you. drink some water for you, bro. But, you know, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's just kind of my little thought on that first part is, like. So I'm, you think it is or you don't? I, 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 I do but I don't think it's a chronic one. I don't think it's a disease because it's, it, there's always, like, um, people always want to classify. And it's like, yeah. if you think about it, so why is it curable for people like me, but not curable for the person on the street? Mm-hmm. And like, how do you define that? Because, like, in, in medical terminology, people have cancer, and it's either... You know, mm-hmm. definitely they got different stages. Like, how do you define alcoholism? And, and, and oh, I, they're in stage three of alcoholism. No, <laughs> fool. Like, yeah, that, that's my take. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean to cut you off. But I just want to make a real quick point is too that when like when you go to there's a lot of people in AA meetings who would not want to hear that. Yeah, they will not want to hear that. Mm-hmm. No, right. it is, and it's always going to be there, and you're always going to be an alcoholic, and you need to. Blah, blah, blah. I think with that kind of thinking. Then that that basically traps you in that. That kind of keeps, the, and that's why I've never, like, and if, if we're speaking frankly, like this is my honest assessment. It's like, yeah, that's why I always have trouble identifying as a as a recovering alcoholic, yeah, or an addict, mm-hmm. because in in my belief system, I'm like, oh, I've been delivered. Like I understand the, yeah. the circumstances that I went through, mm-hmm. and I understand. I also have the free will. I can either willingly go out and participate in what almost killed me. Mm-hmm. Or I can choose to stay, like in in a state of mind that's clear. Yeah, um, that's why I refuse to define it as a disease. I I believe that when, like AA, for instance, since we already went there, like yeah, when they say no, that's a disease, and it's like no, that's just an excuse for you to use next time. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that once you make the decision in your mind, and you make it enough, like it embeds itself in your heart, and that's what like because we wake up on a like. Even people that don't that have never touched alcohol, mm-hmm. that have never touched drugs, wake up and make a decision every single day. Like, I'm not going to use drugs until it becomes second nature to them. Like, when drugs are offered, they're like, no, I'm like, good. Yeah, yeah. And, and which is like crazy mm-hmm. that we're even on this topic because check this out: somebody came into my place of employment today and mm-hmm. was bragging, right? And they showed me something, and it was a sack of of meth. Oh wow! And I'm like, like the thought never crossed my mind. It, it did, like when he left. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, and I couldn't believe, like, mm. this guy's still stuck in that state of mind. How did it make you feel? <laughs> like to be honest, the thing, like the 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 reef, the what did you say? The memory, uh, the, like I was reminded of of how I felt. Oh yeah. Like I like I got excited, but then I also went went away like to my, mm. back to my office. And I'm like, mm. like I just kind of thought about. It. I'm like, but then after that, it was over. Yeah, but I'm like, but I still remember like the taste that I felt in my mouth, like mm. euphoric you know? recall. Yeah, euphoric recall, and but then also like it never crossed my mind like, oh, I'm gonna go do this. Like I could do like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like once that thought came, I was like, no, I'll never go do that. Yeah, because. I've built too much. Yeah. And I understand that if I go back to that lifestyle, it's going to be worse than it was before. Yep. 
You're going to pick up right where you left off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because you have that addictive personality. Mm-hmm. So that's why I refuse to, like, because you can be an addict in almost everything, whether that be eating, whether that be, you know, yeah. working out. Shopping. Shopping. Gambling. Gambling. But you cannot stage alcoholism. You cannot stage drug addiction. You can't say, oh, like like cancer, for instance, stage five, stage four. Mm. Like there's no way that you can define that. Yeah. And I think that's just what that, that thing just said. It's like it's ultimately coming like all these different it, factors. Yeah, yeah. It almost it almost like the way that article is going is like it's like crippling to the person that's going through it. Yeah. And um it also goes on to say that <clears throat> um it's been like labeled disease by definition because of like billing purposes. Yeah. Um, so that they can there's money bill. In it. yeah. So like the counselors can diagnose it, and then they can. It's been in the DSM five as a disease, so then they can, can bill for it. for it. Yeah. So that they these people can these people us yeah, can go us. get um, can go get um, counseling and go to treatment and stuff and have Medicaid Medicare pay for it. <clears throat> so um, for yeah, just for like me personally, um, when I got into the field. You know, licensed addiction counseling, you know, read the DSM-5 and all that. And then I was kind of like, oh, okay. So I kind of, I understand that part, like why they're going with the disease thing. Um, <clears throat> but to me, I didn't believe it was a disease, like, per se. Yeah. Like you just said, like, um, cancer or hemophiliac or, you know, yeah. something like that. But I looked at it like, this is how we were born. This is how we were wired. Yeah. Um, and I see why they say disease because then it's, um, so like they can bill for it and stuff. Yeah. But also it's like relative to the person, like to someone, um, if they look at a disease, okay, this is, I have this disease of alcoholism. I have this disease of addiction. This is what I got to do to combat it. I got to go to meetings. I got to have a sponsor. Like, you know, this is the prescription for it. Okay. Then I'm going to go, I've seen guys identify and use it as a disease. And then there's the prescription is to go to meetings and have accountability people and work the 12 steps and do service work and stuff and watch them flourish. And they're under that, you know, they're in that mindset that it is a disease for them. Yeah. You know, um, but to me, um, to me, it's like, this is how I'm born. This is how God created me because I'm supposed to live at a higher level. You know, I'm supposed to be accountable. I'm supposed to be transparent. I'm supposed to be in community. I'm supposed to be doing service work. Because when I do that stuff, I'm I'm such a better person than the opposite of that. When I'm not doing those things and I'm in my addiction, I'm low-life POS. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what's crazy? Not to yeah. cut you off. No, no. Good. What's crazy... Is the AA model is actually a church model. Exactly. Discipleship. Because the church, their number one mission is to go and make disciples of all all nations. Yep. And that's what AA does. Church is about community. That's mm-hmm. why they gather together in the building. It's about community. Mm-hmm. Just like there's always meetings, right? Why? Yep. Because there's strength in community. Yep. There is really no difference from AA and church. That's right. It's it's 
basically the same model because they understand that it works. Yeah, and like I'm always saying, like anybody that you know professes Christianity should do the twelve steps. Yeah, because that's just discipleship. It really is just a disciple program, and and basically at the elementary of discipleship, you're just basically reduplicating yourself in the next person, you know, to do what you do. Yep. It's just like AA, you're, what what do they call it, Ment, uh, sponsor. Sponsor, sponsor. It's basically the sponsorship thing is like to get them to see how you succeed in your walk. Mm-hmm. And then that person in turn goes and sponsors another person yep. and another person and another person. So it's the same model. But the the thing, well, okay, first I got a couple of points. I guess if you're being cynical, you can always say, well, if it's a disease and it's in the doctor's bench, it's best interest not to have give, give you an ultimate cure. Yeah. Because then that's like you said, you can get billed. But um, the other thing I was going to say, too, is that the psychologist, the doctor of psychology, once told me, be careful with the language that you use to describe yourself because speech is articulated thought. In other words, you're speaking out or you're thinking out loud. So we don't encourage people to say, I'm stupid. Yeah. I'm, I'm a dumb person. Why? I'm an idiot. Because, because there's power in words. Because that <laughs> will keep you in that mindset. Then you'll always be stupid. You'll always be an idiot. And if that holds true for one thing, I think it holds true for another. Mm. If I constantly say I'm powerless, oh, yeah, then yeah. that renders me powerless. And it reinforces that idea. And, and, then, and then I become dependent on something other than myself and my creator. Mm. In which, and another thing too is that a lot of people will have you think that you have to go through certain channels to get to the source. Oh yeah. Whereas that's I don't I don't believe that's true. I think you can go directly to the source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Relationship. And, yeah. and and you know and that's what for me that's what prayer is. Sorry. Yeah. I, I kind of started laughing when you started off because I was thinking of that cliche. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. When you're talking about being stupid, so yeah, that's and why it, I laughed. <laughs> and and, he, and then um, shoot, I forgot the third point I was going to say. It'll come up. But Sorry. anyway, yeah. No, no, that's fine. I. Um, but yeah, I, I think just keeping yourself in that mind. And then the other thing too, I think I was going to say was that everything is so rigid that <laughs> everything is so rigid and, you know, um, you get these hardliners and you get these people saying <clears throat> that it has to be this way in this order and this is how you do it because that's what worked for me and that worked for me. So it's going to work for you. And if you don't do it that way, then you're just going to fail. Whereas I think and I know this to be a fact because, <laughs> because I'm living proof of it, mm-hmm. is that there's more than one way to skin a cat, as my mom would always say. And then yeah. I would respond, why would you want to skin a cat? But anyway. They're delicious. They're del- <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Sounds like it would give me diarrhea. <laughs> too much cat. <laughs> Stupid. You get the popo call on you. You get the popo call on you because you ate too much. But cat. I, I mean, but back to the point is like the twelve steps. They're indisputable. Like you're not going to go in there and be like, "Oh, this is going to change for me." Mm-hmm. Like you know, if we, if we go in with that mindset, then we already lost the battle. Oh yeah. Like because that's why they're the pillars of the AA. You you understand? Like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I think back to the whole kind of, I think, I, man, I was kind of deja vu because I was, I 
this thought came to my mind. I was like, I think I already said this, but <clears throat> oh, I remember like in my addiction, like when I finally said, all right, I have a problem. I'm an alcoholic. It was like, so like weight off my shoulder. I broke down. I cried. Yes. I bawled. I bawled my eyes out because I finally admitted. I finally stopped lying to myself that I didn't have a problem, even though I knew I had a problem. And I kept putting band-aids on it, putting band-aids on it, still kept hurting my, the people I love, Keep kept neglecting my kids, kept lying to myself, I don't have a problem, I don't have a problem. Everybody else has a problem. My drinking, and I finally broke down and said, all right, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic. That's what I am. That was so liberating for me. Um, <clears throat> and I'm in that mindset, too, like, where... Like, I'll always be an alcoholic because if I ever go back, kind of like what you were saying earlier, I'm just going to pick up right where I left off and it's going to be f- worse than it's than my previous relapses and previous yeah. uses. So I got to keep that fresh. Keeping that fresh for me is reminding myself of that, you know, that dark time that I spent, you know, in the throes of my addiction because that's where it goes. You know, I got to play that tape all the way to the bitter end. I keep reminding myself of that um, constantly. Um, I try to do it weekly. Sometimes it's every day. It's like, um, <clears throat> but I also get what you're saying too earlier, Randy, like the whole, like that deliverance. I prayed for deliverance that from the desire to go drink, like I don't have that anymore. It's not in me. You know, I got delivered from that, that desire to go drink. And all the other times I relapsed, I, I was delivered too those times. But I decided, I made that choice to go back knowing Full well where it was going to take me, what was going to happen. Yeah. I was going to sabotage everything. But then that goes into my defeating beliefs and stuff. So, but anyway. <clears throat> um, so I think, again, it's all relative. Like, what you believe and what works for you is not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. And vice versa and around this table. Um, <clears throat> because today I identify as an addict. In the meetings, in the rooms, um, and I do that free, freely, and willingly. And I wear my recovery on my sleeve. I let anybody know, you know, that I'm an addict. Uh, and I do that because um, a drug is a drug is a drug, and alcohol, yeah. by definition, is a drug. And so I, I, I identify. My name's Josiah, and I'm an addict. That's what I say when I go to meetings. Um, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I absolutely agree with everything you just said because i can empathize with it you know i mean i feel the same exact way and so i think for me to try to put those two things together um it's almost like and i'm just thinking out loud right now but like it's almost like a a, two, two people you know what i mean two different two different personalities and then you know like like josiah said if I was to take another drink, I would go back and switch back to this other person who I do not like and I do not want to go back to. And I'll, just, like he said, I'll just end up right where I was and probably worse. And I know that. I know that. Yeah. I know those demons are right there. But at the same time, I can choose not to let them affect me. And that, and that's that, true. That, that I think choice. we're. 
I think we all agree on that. Like it has to be maintained. Like your sobriety has to be maintained. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it like, it, and that's like the same thing with like deliverance. Like deliverance has to be maintained. Like everything. Like it, it's just a general idea of like okay, like I understand. Like I can't go out and partake in them activities because I understand where I've been. Yeah. So I would be a fool to engage. You know, like mm-hmm. just like what you're saying. Like so, it's all it all like. Sobriety has to be maintained. It's like when you cut your grass, like at the first cutting, it's always tough. But throughout the rest of the summer, you have to continually go and cut the grass. Otherwise, it's going to be overrun. Your your house is going to, you know, mm-hmm. like it's the weeds are going to grow and they're going to get thicker and thicker and thicker. And it's like pretty soon you got a jungle out there. Yeah, and I just didn't want to make it seem like. I was in, of the mindset that, oh, if I just say I'm not an alcoholic anymore, then bing. Yeah. No, that's not the case. There's work and there's oh, yeah. effort and there's things that I to, have to do on a daily basis. You have to be disciplined. To maintain that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of reminds me of a, a meme that I've seen. Uh, I see it you know, several times a year. It says drinking and not drinking and not using is the easy part. You know, dealing and feeling uh, with your emotions on a daily daily basis, where the real work is, um, <clears throat> and I totally agree with that because, like, for all the years that I was using, I was just running away from everything—my feelings, my responsibilities, <laughs> my whatever, you know, everything. Man, so, isn't it, how how do you deal with that now? Like, my feelings, I just I just let them go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, um. Yeah, the good, bad, and different, man, I sit with them. I just sit with them and film. And I don't get I don't get too high and I don't get too low. Yeah. You know, if I start getting too excited, too high, you know, I'll ground myself. You know, like one technique I use is like I'll describe things in the room. Like so right now I was really excited. I'd be like, Oh, okay, I'm here. I'm sitting in my chair, Randy's over here to my left. JC's to my right. He's got his cap on. There's a mic right in front of me, and I'll touch the things, and that kind of just kind of grounds me real quick. And I'm like, all right, man, yeah, that was good. That was a good thing. That was a good feeling. Just being self-aware. Boom, and then just move forward. And then same thing. If I'm feeling too low, man, I'll ground myself, you know, and just ground myself like that or do modulated breathing, just kind of pray. Even when I'm feeling high like that, I give thanks. Thank you for this feeling. Thank you. I'm feeling good. And then I'll, then I'll move forward, <clears throat> like not to stay there, not to stay too high, not to stay too low. Because if I stay there too, stay high too long with those excited feelings, I'm like, yeah, I want to keep this going. Let's go get a bottle. Yeah. You know, same thing. If I'm too low for too long, man, I don't even know what last time I laughed. Um, go get a pint. <laughs> That's what I did in the past, man. That was my last relapse. I'm going to get a pint and laugh my behind off. Yeah. Nope, not today. Not today, Satan. All right, you guys no, ready that, for the... Yeah, that was oh, go, ahead. Mindset. go ahead. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Okay, so this next part I want to go over is like, can... Ad- oh, wait, no. That's not- <laughs> it says, if addiction isn't a disease, what is it then? Neuroscience um, research supports the idea that addiction is a habit that becomes quickly and deeply entrenched in self Self-perpetuating, rapidly rewiring the um, circuitry of the brain because it 
It aided and embedded by it is aided and embedded by dopamine because the surge of dopamine reward is very short lasting. It drive it drive frequent rep- repetition and habit formation. In many ways, addiction is like a disease. It causes serious problems in functioning. It creates feelings of helplessness, whereby those in the grip of addiction feel like they can't get better, or their own, um, <clears throat> of their own accord. The problem is incredibly persistent, but disease might be best seen as a metaphor when in related to addiction. As a habit, addiction can be seen as a form of deep or extreme learning operating through the brain's remarkable powers of neuroplasticity, as all learning does. And that kind of, that exactly what you said, DC, about the programming. I just, yeah, like it, it, and again, you know, I always, my, like the term that I was taught was core beliefs, mm-hmm. and, and, and I guess there's other terms that you could use, but, you know, I said the root determines the fruit. Right. Yep. And so, like, if if you and 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 core beliefs are ingrained in the subconscious. If we're talking about the brain, the subconscious that's the part you don't think of. You don't tell your heart to beat, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you and there are things that you do automatically. Like the first time you ever drove, I mean, you know, you were sitting there and you were shaky and you hit the brake too hard and you hit the gas a little too. Now you can drive through town and check your phone and sing your favorite song and change your radio and you're not even thinking about driving. Yeah. Because that there's other parts of your brain that took over that. So yeah. it's automatic. So in order to get that in, a, in in this addiction standpoint, you start training yourself to have, to change your thoughts and your beliefs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to change your belief system. Yeah. Is one of the biggest things that I was ever told. Mm-hmm. And so that starts from the core. And then the thing with core beliefs is, is that they're universal. So, we can say something along the lines, well, everybody does it. Mm. That's a core belief because it's not specific, but at the same time, you can use it for so many different things. Like, say, uh, you know, um, so you find $10 on the ground, you know who dropped it, but you pick it up and put it in your pocket, and I'm going to keep this. And then those guilty feelings come around, and then you think, well, everybody does it. Boom, guilt's gone. Yep. And so what you start to do is you start to change that and you say something that's the exact opposite. No, everybody doesn't do it. And then you have intervention thoughts with that. Like, I'm not everybody. I'm, yeah, I'm not everybody or everybody might do it, but I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Or you say maybe that, you know, I'm going to be a good person and I'm going to return it or, you know, those kind of Setting things. Setting yourself apart. Those intervention thoughts. And eventually you keep doing that, you keep doing that, and you make that your conscious effort. Eventually, your brain, because it wants to conserve energy, is going to be like, it's taking a lot of energy for you to think these things through. And since you keep doing them, I'm just going to put it, I'm going to kick it up to the subconscious level. Yeah. And then you find this $10, you don't even think about it. Hey, hey, you dropped this. Yeah. Same thing. Same exact principle. It's like um, playing guitar. Mm. Like when I first tried it, I was like, boom, 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 boom. You know what I mean? Ting, 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 But eventually, you know, you keep doing it. Now... Like, my hands just automatically go to the cords, and I don't even really think about it. Mm. I mean, I'm not super great, but at the same time, that compared to what I was doing just a couple of years ago, is night and day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And You're so, pretty good. And so you have to, and that, and that just comes from, I just kept doing it Practice. over and over and over. And then that's what, that's how this is. So it's like creating a habit. It's a creating habit. And then, you know, the, like I keep saying, you know, 
they don't even know everything about what the brain can do. Like I've heard stories of how uh, a woman lost like half of her brain in an accident. Yeah. And they said, oh, she's going to be this and she's going to be that. But no, that other half that was still there took over everything. Mm. And she lived a normal life. Wow. So in other words, that brain still like, hey, we're, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to function. We're going to make it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, the brain is just an amazing piece of work. Yeah. I know. There's something that said we only use 10% of our brains. No, I, we use all of it. But I like to say we only use 10% of our hearts. I was interrupting my joke there. <laughs> Sorry. I, I always do that too where when you start going into your monologue on, on the Joker, remember, and you start telling your stories? <laughs> yeah. And I always then I always jump into like try to joke around, but then I yeah, uh, I kill it for him. Anyway. No sound effects today. I know, um, right? Well, I'm I'm into this, man. This is good stuff. Hold on. I don't even know what's going on here. What is going on? This guy was calling for the neck neck flaps earlier. But when you were talking about that, when (laughs) when you were talking about that, though, I was thinking it was. (laughs) 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 Kidding, sorry. I was just thinking about this thing that I read today about um the first spacecraft that we send up into orbit. Or whatever. It's just now entering like the outest, the outer, like, we sent it off like 40 years ago and it's just now whatever. But what they found out with the spacecraft was like, it's the earth is emitting like a low humming sound, mm. like a ooh, you know? And that's yeah. what they just found out and they just launched it like, well, not just, but they launched it like 44 years ago or something. Yeah. But it took that long for them to realize like that the earth is emitting a sound. Mm. Interesting. And they were like, we haven't even reached anywhere. Like it just like it's not even like an outer space. Yeah, it's not even an outer space. It just like left the first ring of our atmosphere. Like you know, like mm-hmm. our solar system. I don't know how to like. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to like say it because I'm not like scientifically uh, whatever. But yeah, it just say left it the like first, how you would want to say it. Yeah, it, it just left like the first <laughs> the first ring. Yeah, you know, okay. like yeah, the, the first. Mm-hmm. Our, like our say, solar system? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, yeah, it just got there after 40-something years, and it's like, mm. and when they found out, it's like, it's emitting a sound. The Earth, like, has a sound. Mm. Ooh, you know? Yeah. And they can't describe it. They don't know where it's coming from. It's just our sound. Huh. But then it it's also... It's soundtrack to It shows, life. like, you doing something for 40-something years, and we don't even understand what's going on out there. Mm. Kind of oh, like yeah. our brain. Mm-hmm. We use ten percent of our hearts, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just ten percent of our hearts. <laughs> just ten percent of our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start using the other ninety percent of our hearts. <laughs> uh, I always like to say to uh, to people on there, like number one on the court, and number one, or number twenty one on the court, and number one in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> That went nowhere. (laughs) No, um, yeah, all these, um, like this article written, you know, it's kind of, it just kind of, just like for me, it goes to show, like, it's kind of like 
oh, like I keep saying it, a relative. It's all relative to like your experience with addiction, JC, is different from Randy's. Randy's experience is different from mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a time, you know, like I was adamant about not identifying as a addict or alcoholic, and I was sober. I was just sober. You know, I didn't do any like work on myself or anything. I was just sober. I just wasn't using. And <clears throat> so for me today, you know, like, um, I have to do that. You know, that's just for me, though. Like, I'm not going to tell both you guys to say, you guys have to identify as addicts. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it has to be, you know, because. That's how we always did it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I think I said this on a previous episode, too, is like, you're, you guys are on your own path. And, like, we were diligent and we were. We were transparent, we were accountable, and we were in community, and we were doing service work on our own, walking our own path, and then our paths crossed, and we um, we had a podcast baby. That's, yeah. that's divine intervention right there. Yeah, but if we didn't do our own work and we didn't walk our own walk, maybe only two of us would have met. Yeah. Or maybe just one of us would be sitting here right now. You know what I mean? But yes. that's 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 the awesome part about it, though. Is well, first of all, you know, it, like going back to that music episode, you know, you can't just say, "Oh, I just like country," or "I just like hip hop and rap." Well, put yourself in a box; you're going to limit yourself, that's, you know, yeah, right? I so, so, so I, I try not to do that to myself. I try to, you know, be open. But the beauty of you know you walking your path and you walking your path and me doing mine, and then they all converge. And we're still on our own paths, but right now they're going. You know, they, we're going in the same direction. Yeah, That's and and we and we get to and we get to learn. We get to feed off each other. We get to be inspired mm. by one another because there's not there's not one episode that went by so far where I didn't learn something from you guys. Mm-hmm. I didn't take something back and say, "Man, Randy said what Randy said was profound. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. I'm going to yeah. keep it." Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, every time I talk to Josiah, you know, like even through texts or whatnot, when we have our little one-on-ones or whatever, mm-hmm. I was like, man, you know, I got something out of that. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the awesome part about it. Yeah. And that's that strength of community. This is, this is our little community. Community, yeah. Our little unspoken community here. And all you listeners are a part of that too. Yes. Yeah. And without you, you know, supporting us and being there with us and you know offering your comments and feedback and all this and that your support you know it would be that much more harder it it makes it that much more easy mm-hmm. to move forward and i think that like that's the awesome thing is like between us three we have more similarities than we do differences yeah yeah well, exactly. we got the same goal in mind and, and that's really just to be better than we were yesterday Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I like what Josiah says. Like, you can either walk with me or you can get the step in. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm going to keep going. You yeah. know, like. And, yeah. and, and then too. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But like another thing too that I worry it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just sit here and cut each other off. <laughs> no, here's this one. Oh. <laughs> but um. Well, what I was going to say is like, when you're talking about we have similarities. That's so true because we all, I mean, there's times when I find that we all say the same thing, but we don't say it in the same way. It's just different words. Yeah. But the same idea and the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That just reminded me, I forgot what episode it was. Like we were all jumping in trying to say our piece. (laughs) 
And like, I ain't trying to I'd, be smarter than the other one. <laughs> like we were all, like we were all kind of talking over each other for a minute there in one of those episodes. But we all, we all said the same thing. We're saying the same thing. And I was just like, one of us should just said it. <laughs> but y'all shut up, man. Let me talk. <laughs> no, My turn. No, but it was cool. It was cool though. Like, like we all got that boom. We all got the same like kind of idea, and then we're all trying to say it. <laughs> but we all said the same thing. Trying to say funny. it our way. And I didn't even really realize that my son was in the car with me as I was listening to it. I think we were driving to one of his games and we are listening to an episode. And he was like, why did you guys all just say the same thing? And then I was just like, wow, we did. <laughs> See, that's cool, too, because, you know, the youngster's getting it, then, hey, you're yeah. saying something. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool, man. Um, let me see here. Any kind of closing thoughts on addiction as a disease or well now that we started i'm kind of you know yeah but no but no but yeah i mean it's just the only reason why i would even say that is just because i think in our human it's human nature to have to label things and put them in a box so we classify them so it's nice and tidy yeah and just for that purpose alone i will say okay but everything that goes into that box when you open it yeah, it like a basement it, that just blows it wide open. Yeah, and I think like you know, as far as like coming from a clinical coal mine state, like for those purposes, for building purposes, to get people help, like I can I can see that I can agree with that. You know, labeling a disease so that someone can get the services. I I understand it, and and I see it like that. Yeah. I'm sorry, I cut no, you off. Yeah, you. No, no. <laughs> but then you know what I was gonna say. No. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like I guess like for me it's like. There's just um, finances attached to it. Yeah, that's and it's a way to pay bills. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they've monetized it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in order for it to be monetized, they have to create a disease. Yeah, because like you got these pharmaceutical companies making billions mm-hmm. off of their medication that they prescribe, mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah. So it's like like you were saying, like it's the, it's the attempt to classify, because that at the end of the day, what it does is it pays bills. It's just like the reason why they build prisons. Mm-hmm. There's money in it. If there was no money in it, they wouldn't build them. Mm-hmm. And, and didn't we didn't I mention this on one of the episodes? I don't know if I mentioned it on air, but about those places down in Florida that were doing uh, what did they call it? Body harvesting or something? Oh yeah, yeah the the. the the sober livings and the treatment centers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they were getting sober living was getting their residents to relapse so that they would get kickbacks yes. from the treatment center. Yeah. Yes. And basically just cycling them through. Yeah, that's crazy. That's like, that's like that next level, like, horrible, like, just wanting money type of deal. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, I, I know doctors have to take that. Socratic or Procratic, whatever they call it, oath. Yeah, I shall do no harm. Oh yeah, yeah. doctors. Yeah, is that something that people in counseling, and counseling do? No, mm-hmm. there's nothing like We're that. We're not at that level, no. But even then, too, like I mean, I mean, we get like we have to do ethical training, yeah, and stuff, and like the EEUs every year. We have to do a certain amount of training and ethics. Isn't that every year? So I mean, well, that, well. That being said, then do you think it would be a good idea, or just kind of, eh? um, like to t- basically say, take an oath and I will do no harm. Yeah, I think um, 
there is the sense of that, but we don't like say it out loud. Taking, oh, yeah, it's just like through that ethics training and stuff. Like, there's certain things we can't do, even like with our clients when we're actively practicing. Like, someone goes through treatment and they're done. Like, we can't have any kind of association with them. Yeah, for two years. Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard of that. But like emails and stuff, we can do that, and they kind of lax those things during the pandemic. So I don't know if those are going to go back up or if they're going to stay down. And I, I understand, you know, the reasoning behind that. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy, too. Like, as a counselor, like, if I see a client in public, I can't acknowledge them. They can acknowledge me, and then at that point we can talk. But if they don't ever acknowledge me and we're sitting at a ball game and they're, like, you know. Right next to you. Right next to me or a couple of people over and they don't ever, like, Hey, how's it going? Or like say, hey, look, there's Jane Doe. I remember you. Remember you yeah, in yeah. my treatment center or whatever. If they don't do any of that and they're just watching the game and cheering and like, I can't, I can't say anything. Uh, that, I mean, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. But, but yeah, I, I just for all all things considered, I think it's just it's. It's more than that. I mean, it's not that. And I'll look into it more and like to see if there's even like um, whatever's like a sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, like a like a standard or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that to me that would ultimately be a a, a good idea. Um, but I don't know. I, it's just because it just it makes me sick to know that there are people out there that would abuse that kind of. But of course, there's doctors out there that do it too. Oh yeah. So true. I mean, I yeah. Guess, it's just like I guess the po- ag- when we talk about the police, you know, there's good cops, there's bad cops, there's good counselors, good bad counselors. So I guess the actual act of taking an oath is just as strong as the person <laughs> just saying it, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I like this is my last spiel on this whole it's addiction and disease again, just to repeat myself and just kind of. I feel like I was born this way. Like God created me this way to live at in a higher kind of accord, a higher kind of resolve or what am I looking for, the word, um, like a creed, like a different, um, I have to walk to a different creed. I have to be, I have to be accountable. I have to be transparent. I have to be in community. I have to be doing service work constantly, uh-huh. daily. I got to make sure that, I'm good mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually every day. Yeah. Um, I have to make sure I'm good on all four of those levels <clears throat> every day. And in turn, you know, it's going to be um, those that I love are going to benefit from that, and I'm going to be able to help people. Now, if I don't start, if I start going away from that, I start straying away from that, I'm going to start going back into my old ways, into that stinking thinking Um that criminal thinking, I'm going to start hurting people again. So um, <clears throat> it's just like a higher creed for me. I feel like honored that I was made this way. And then Kump came out the other end and then, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like you said one thing in there that, that really kind of drives a lot of my my day-to-day life is to help others. Yeah. So that, you know. Because somebody has to jump off the merry-go-round, show others how to do it. For sure. I think you're totally right on that, sir. All right, all right, all right. So 
With that, I appreciate you gentlemen for bringing it on the topic of is disease or is addiction a disease? <laughs> a Randy is, a Randy is, a, is disease an addiction? <laughs> for a hypochondriac, maybe. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's a whole different rabbit trail. All right. Well, I appreciate you gentlemen bringing it on that level and yes, providing sir. your perspective. And like I said, man. We don't have to all see it the same way. You know, like if we put a rock right there in the middle of this room, we're all going to describe it differently. Different perspectives. Different perspectives. So that's why I appreciate about you, gentlemen. And again, we value you, the listener, your perspective. So hit us up. Yeah, hit us yes, up. Sir. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. We'll give you a shout out if you, that's what you want. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's go into our speak on it. So DJ, hit me with that B. Speak on it. Speak on it, bro. On it, bro. Speak on it. Speak on it. Speak on it. Unspoken words. Speak on it. We're going to change the format here um, for the speak on it. For the next six weeks, we're going to go into a series of suicide and suicide prevention, focusing more on suicide prevention. And um, <clears throat> and it falls in line with my work. That's what I do now. I'm in the suicide prevention department of um, my organization. And so <clears throat> we got a sponsor that's coming on, Riverstone, and they're, you know, hooking us up with some funds and stuff so that we can present this material. And so... We're paying the bills with our speak on it. There you go. There we go. So tonight um, we're going to go over this series. It's called QPR. It's a free training that we offer. So and other agencies in the community here and probably in the community, wherever you're listening, they offer it. Uh, it's called question proceed refer. And so we're going to go over the Q of the QPR tonight. <clears throat> Um, Air community in various other places. Yeah, in various other places. <laughs> just Google it. <laughs> so I'm just going to read this material. I'm just going to read this little snippet here, and then you guys can pr- provide your um, perspective or your takeaway from it. So how to question a, the person about suicide thoughts, because suicide is such a taboo subject. Asking the S question may at first seem awkward or difficult, but the truth is that you may be the best person in the best possible position to recognize the warning signs of a suicide crisis and to prevent suicide. Just as you have the courage to apply the Heimlich maneuver to help a stranger choking on a piece of meat, so too can you apply QPR to someone considering suicide. So um, here are some guidelines for using like the Q, the question. Um, You can plan a time and place to ask the suicide question Try to find a private setting, um, <clears throat> and, this, and this is basically like an intervention, so it could take up to an hour. Uh, the most important step is asking the question. It is the hardest step, but also the most helpful. Many people who've just been asked if they are thinking of suicide will have a great need to talk. The listening skills will be, to, and you know, just kind of working on your listening skills. You're, you're there. If you ask the question, then give them time to respond non-judgmentally just listening caring um and then a huge part of that too is like validating that that's a real feeling Uh um and if you're not 
you know, this is a touchy subject. It's so hard if you're not apt to like be like, are you thinking of suicide? Are you thinking of killing yourself? You know, if you don't want to be too direct like that, you can always use questions like, have you been unhappy lately? Have you been very unhappy lately? Have you been so very unhappy you wish you were dead? Or have you ever thought about going to sleep and not waking up? You know, you can use those kind of questions. Um, And one of the questions that you're not supposed to ask is like, you're not thinking of suicide, are you? You know, that's a terrible question to ask someone that you think is suicidal. Because then that gives them an opt out. Like, nah, I'm not. You know, you don't want to present that kind of question to the person if they're suicidal. You don't want to be like, you're not thinking of suicide. Like, making them feel bad uh-huh. about it when they might already, you know, they're already in a state where they're feeling terrible. So that's kind of basically it in a nutshell, asking the question. Um, you can be direct or you can be a little more subtle. But even with the subtlety, it's pretty direct. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? What is your guys' perspective? Well, it okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you were reading the... The first part of it, you said the S word. Is it is it not proper to actually use the word suicide? Not in the way that you said it. Like, are you going to commit suicide? But like, say, you know. Um, oh no! I think it was just like it's so taboo. Like they're just kind of uh, like a parody. The S word. Yeah, uh, but 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 like not so much that you you're um, saying. Oh, are you going to commit suicide? But, like, maybe to use it in a different way. Yeah. That's where, like, if you're not comfortable coming direct and being like, hey, you've been, i seen you've been unhappy. Are you thinking about killing yourself? You know, or have you had suicidal thoughts? You can be direct like that. Okay. But, I mean, it was just saying, you know, like. What about, like, is suicide an option? To to somebody? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think something like that, you know, you kind of word it like that. Have you, have, you, have you been thinking of suicide as an option? Yeah. You know, I think that would be good. And, like, the main thing is, like, there's so much, like, stigma around, like, if you bring it up, then they're going to go do it if they're thinking about it, which is, like, totally not true. The opposite is actually very true. If you ask them, then it's going to open up that door for that or give them that opportunity to start talking about it. Kind of like addiction, like if we don't, we're only as sick as our secrets, like if we keep it in, we don't tell anybody, um, then it's going to eat away at us and then it's going to come out sideways. So you're giving them the opportunity to to let that out? Yeah. To essentially vent, I guess, for lack of a better word? Yeah. Yeah, Because that way, you know, like, like I I feel like if, if somebody had come up to me and said that, then that what you said earlier is like it gives them an opportunity to talk like if i think if i would have started talking and then it just would have been snowballed and then like all this stuff would have came out and blah 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 yeah. so i think that yeah I, I i understand that because like from my own point of view if somebody would have came and said are you depressed then i think in hindsight hindsight's always 2020 that in my depression and in my lowest points i would have been able to release that to somebody Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, the second part is like, you know, perhaps you feel only a professional person should 
asked such a de- delicate question. Not so. Suicide prevention is everybody's business. Feeling some reluctant to ask the S question is natural and for a good reason. First, yes to the S question puts the subject of suicide on the table for discussion. Second, once we ask someone if they are thinking of suicide and they say yes, we now must act. We must, we have an obligation we didn't have only moments ago. This is good, not bad. Research has shown repeatedly at once that once people are asked if they're thinking of suicide, they feel relief, not distress. You have come close enough to them to acknowledge a glimmer of their emotional pain until now they have been bearing their pain in solitude. Anxiety decreases while hope increases. A chance to go on living has been offered. It all, It is almost as if they're asking the suicide question. We provide a ray of light <clears throat> where there was been utter darkness. Asking the suicide question does not increase risk. And see, I, I get that because like that, that would have been my initial thoughts. I was like, man, I'd be scared to say, are you are you thinking of hurting yourself? Because then, like, then I, w- I would have thought that I would have, you know, triggered something in them. Yeah. Or like, you know, I, I can't do this, man. I'm not qualified. You know, and I always say, you know, I'm not an expert on anything, even though I, I play one on TV. You're but, bad. Yeah, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, man, I... I, I totally understand that i would be afraid to because like man what if i screw this up what if i make things worse i i can see that though yeah i can definitely see that because i feel that way too sometimes um, but i feel it, it it's imperative especially for us where we're at now to have those types of tools mm-hmm. because then we're able to recognize those signs i think this is a plus man like yeah um, I'm, and, I'm and glad growing you know because there's I can think right now of a couple instances where having these types of uh, things in the arsenal would, would benefit. Oh, yeah. And to, I think, get the uncomfortableness, because it is kind of awkward. Yeah. You know, are you thinking of killing it? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, kinda, yeah. it's really awkward because, but then we also have to realize the risk involved if we don't ask that. True. Mm-hmm. Knowing that we should have asked it. Mm. And then the person actually goes and either attempts or succeeds yeah. in committing um, yeah. or completing. I'm yeah. just kidding. I heard somebody say that today. Don't yeah, say that, somebody commits, they completed. Yeah, they completed. Yeah. <laughs> um, suicide. And I think one of the, as I'm getting into this realm, into this like um, area of like suicide prevention, one of the things that I really noticed is like, like culturally, as Native Americans, especially like with the culture, you know, the tribe that we're all having common here, um, there's a term, bakalis, yeah. don't ask for things. And there's a teaching, you know, it's across the board with Native Americans, like our words are sacred. So whatever you're putting out there, whatever the energy you're putting out there is, that's what's coming back to you. Um, So I think there's kind of like, like that, yeah, that stigma, that taboo with the suicide don't talk about it. Don't talk about, shh, shh, shh. don't talk about that. Shh, you know, and, but here, you know, it's proven that if you ask somebody if they're suicidal, you know, it, it gives them an opportunity. Like the reading said, like it gives them that glimmer of hope. Like, Oh, they do see me. Someone does care. Yeah. You know, 
and I, I under okay, so I understand that whole, you know, what you talk about, what you put out is what's gonna come back. But I think if you're talking to somebody out of love and compassion and caring and empathy, then those things will come back. Right? right. Those things will go out into the world. Not like you're going out and saying like how you kinda the the tone of your voice how you say, Oh, are you gonna commit suicide? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like You're not thinking about suicide, are you? You know, yeah. and like to put it that way, like if you're just kinda ha you know, half ass in it or um not really sincere or anything like that. Like but I'm really think, nervous and yeah. But I think if you're coming from a place of love, then I think then that that can coincide with our culture. Because the other thing I would say too is that not talking about things is kind of one of our biggest downfalls. Yeah. Kind of covering it up. Because yeah. yeah, suicide is just one thing. Yeah. I think you have to address the elephant because in order um, to gain healing, you have to uncover what's being, you know, mm -hmm. hidden. And um, But getting beyond that, I, I believe, it is it's kind of where we're at. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but I agree with you, though. Like, but I only hear this is like I I do agree with you because, but I also believe that the person that we're intending to be there for would know whether we're being genuine or not. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And to be like, oh, this person actually cares for me. Yeah. So I can, you know, and then we gain their confidence. Um. But yeah, it, it's yeah. good to have them. And you know that's just uh, the first step. You know, being being equipped with the right questions to ask and being able to ask those questions. So that's the, you know, we're for the next five episodes, you know, on our speak on it, so we're going to be talking about suicide prevention. And in our last episode, we're going to go over like a survivor's story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just stay tuned. Um, if you guys have any, any other kind of topics you want us to touch on, please feel free to chime in and, you know, this is coming from the QPR training, and we've just gone over to Q. So next week we're talking about persuade and listening and how to listen and how to be in that mind state, being ready. And the last one on that, the QPR training is the R, and that's referring, you know, and just educating yourself on what services are available out there. So, you know, those are coming down the line, and just stay tuned, stick with us, and We'll help you through this. But in the meantime, if you want to learn more, uh, there's QPR trainings probably in your community, education. There's also mental health, first aid um, trainings out there that you can take if you're more interested in this. And um, all else, you know, you can go talk to a counselor and get better equipped and you can do an intervention yourself too as well. So don't be afraid to ask the questions, but definitely get trained up. Uh, QPR isn't a very long training. It's only like an hour and a half. So anybody can do it. So yeah. I appreciate you gentlemen for entertaining me on this topic. And well, I'm glad we're talking about it because a, again, I'm learning something and equipping myself with those tools. Like Randy said, you know, it's important for us to have those. And then also to get things out there because, you know, I recently did a survey mm. and they asked me, yes. you know, did you, what, what kind of, information do you see available around you about suicide prevention and i said none yeah because that's essentially how i felt because you know i can drive down you know the the avenue here and see 
advertisements for bars and casinos, but I won't see anything about if you need help, if you're feeling bad or you're depressed or you're feeling suicidal, this is a number or this is Mm. who you can contact or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Or if you know someone. I think all I remember seeing is like the occasional billboard. Yeah. Are you thinking of suicide or state on a number? I I didn't even see that. And one question I got is why is it okay for them to ask if they're thinking of suicide and not us? The billboard. Oh. I don't know. You guys don't remember seeing that one? I think it was down here in Minnesota. It's like at the end of the road, like, and then it says suicide with like a white question mark and then like a 1-800 number on there and there's a picture of a lady. Oh, is it that one that's like half camouflage? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's coming from like the, and it's a long acronym. It's like the Yellowstone Valley Suicide Prevention Coalition of the Episcopal. <laughs> A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P. Yeah, seriously, it's like seven letters. Association. So that was from them. Some alphabet soup. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just kind of, yeah, I'm part of that coalition. I kind of helped design that <laughs> billboard too. So let's Dog, keep our you, acronyms to yeah. about four letters. Let's yeah. keep it simple, stupid. No, yeah. Kiss. <laughs> kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. If stu- I was in that board meeting, I'd be like, kiss, kiss, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got to put, kiss. <laughs> No, actually, that whole coalition was like um, mothers of people that had successfully, um, was it? Um, Completed. Completed. Yeah, completed. Completed suicide. They were just like out there on 24th Street like a couple decades ago protesting, like, you know, raising awareness for suicide prevention and all that with their poster boards and stuff. And then the psychologists seen them and like got them together and organized this and now it's like a big old thing i think that's awesome because it'll probably gain the same steam as being an addict did Mm -hmm. because like i still see people that are that are addicted but will never admit it because they don't want to be seen oh yeah yeah, that whole they're too proud yeah yeah not an addict but i drink every night (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't get up and drink at least I don't drink on my way to work. Oh. But at work, that's a different story. Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> at work. <laughs> you never drink at work? Huh? You never drink at work? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I did. I, I used to be. Man, I drink all the time. Man, I was spun out. I was drunk. I was everything at work before. Yeah, same here. Man, this one time, made me remember this time, like, I was walking out the door and I seen a Powerade there. And I forgot I it was a mix. <laughs> and I just grabbed it, and it was just like one of those little twenty ounces. And I got to work, man. I was like, oh man, like you know, feeling dehydrated. I was going to slam this Powerade. I'll feel better this afternoon. And I cracked it, and I went do 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 do, and I downed the whole thing. And it was half vodka, so I drank like ten ounces of vodka. Oh, <laughs> what'd you do? I just sat there, and I was like, crap. And like at my work at that time, I was in cubicle land, and if I didn't want to see anybody, I didn't have to. I just stayed in my cubicle all day when I was drunk, man. Just surfing the web all day. <laughs> <laughs> cubicle. So you don't have to leave your cubicle if you don't want to? Hmm. What if somebody came up to you and talked to you? Uh, like I was always kind of back in the cut. Okay. And like nobody really bothered me. It's like Mr. Incredible? Yeah. It's like I was oh. scrunched up in a little cubicle. Oh, that, yeah, I can see that then. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, those weren't fun times, man. They were always 
scared if you're going to lose your job. No. Afterwards, couldn't even enjoy it. Afterwards, maybe. And at the time, I got to be honest, I, I couldn't care less. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I always, like, when I showed up in that inebriated state, it was like, okay, stay away from the supervisors and away from the people that are going to say something. Yeah. But then there was always that fear when I got back to the office, like, oh, now I got to go in there and, you know, yeah, yeah clock yeah, yeah. out. And it's like, <laughs> man. But I also remember dropping my brother off now. He's gone now, but I remember dropping him off at his job. And, man, we were on the runner. And, dude, like, I didn't even get, like, out of the West End yet. And he already called me. He's like, hey, man, can you come pick me up? They fired me. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere in our drunken state, we thought it was okay for him to go to work. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. It was crazy, fun. yeah. That is crazy. Well, uh, war story. <laughs> yeah, all these war stories. Why don't you give me some of them neck flaps? <laughs> <laughs> Light the mood a little bit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> hey, what 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 sound effect do our listeners like the most? Oh about? yeah, this yeah. You guys better chime in. Yeah. Chime in. Email us at unspoken.dubs at gmail.com or hit us up on our Facebook page. <laughs> and tell us what sound effect you guys like or Damn! any sound effect suggestions. Yes. We got plenty plenty more room on there. Yep. And I think we I don't want to play out the neck flaps, man. <laughs> <laughs> The neck flaps. The yeah, neck that just puts me in a good mood. <laughs> I don't want to play out the neck flaps. Is the only reason why I said that? Because every time it comes on, Randy goes like this with his hands. Yeah. I I puts of, his hands up by his shoulders and shakes them. I thought of those that dinosaur on yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park. And then, man, you should make a meme of him doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get that going. We'll get that rolling. Yeah. I would have to crop his face on one of those dinosaurs. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, oh! Thank you for listening. Oh, yes. man. All right. Well, let's episode end the episode. Episode twenty-eight. Yeah, it's in books now. Um, let's end the episode with a dad joke, huh? Yeah. Go All right. Here we go. Um, what did the What did the volcano say to his son? Hmm. I love a you. I love a you. I love a you. <laughs> <laughs> Dad joke. <laughs> all right. Over the um we'd like to thank all you listeners, all the support. We appreciate it. We love you. All our listeners all across flat earth. I'm let that go. <laughs> and you and you and, and you, you and, and you and you and you and you and also for all of you people grounded in reality. Thank you. Yep. And you. Everybody living under the firmament. And you. I'm talking to you. Yes, you. Yes, hey, you, you. Picking your nose. No, you not see you. Not you, the other one. You. <laughs> Put that cigarette out. Mm-hmm. Quit scratching your toes and smelling it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking to me. I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, well, I could do it now. Well, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> There's my little cowboy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, the, oh, that's a keeper right there. I'm keeping that one right there. <laughs> oh. This guy's scratching his toe jam. All right, I think we're going way south. Oh, Let's, man, we stop. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, we're gonna have a guest for next week, hopefully. Um, yeah. So stay tuned. TTFN. Yo, Josiah Mo Fire, aka Mo Hugs Not Drugs. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.